Hi, this is Larson Hicks, and welcome to my podcast, where I rant and rave about whatever it is I'm currently thinking about, and also occasionally bring in much smarter guests for longer conversations about topics they're passionate about. Thanks for joining me. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome again to the Larson Hicks YouTube channel. Uh, whatever I'm calling it. I don't have a name for it, but my name's Larson. Uh, today I've got my brother Drew Hicks uh, here with me. And uh, so, special episode. Excited to uh, have a guest in the flesh. Um, and what we want to talk about is this topic that that uh, is coming up a lot in my life and in my community right now, which is, which is just the topic of teenagers and how they deal with, interact with the opposite sex. And um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I have three teenagers in my home, um, and it is, uh, it's, so it is definitely something that is coming up a lot um, in my home, um, but I'm also an elder at my church, and I talk to the families within my parish, and I've got a lot of families in my parish who have teenagers as well, and it turns out this is an important topic for them too. Um and, uh, and so I want to kind of just lay down what I think are the important things about uh, teenagers and their dealings with or their perspective on the opposite sex. Um, and I've brought Drew because we've recently been talking a lot about it. And I think Drew's got a lot of wisdom on it as well. Um, he's been a teenager. Uh, he has interacted with the opposite sex. So you're pretty much an expert. Um, so... Um, so yeah, welcome, and and I'm gonna just kick it off with uh, uh, maybe a couple high level, sort of like what are we gonna talk about, and then we can kind of jump into some some details. So one is I want to talk about dating, and court versus courtship. Um, kind of talk about those two frameworks, or those two concepts: recreational dating versus uh, courtship. The other is the idea of friendship with the opposite sex. What's that about? How does that work? Is that a thing? Uh, should that be a thing? Um, and then I think it's I think the the rest of it probably is I think this conversation tends to uh, err on the side of prescribing um, a system, and I don't think that that's what Christians need. Uh, I think it's this perennial temptation of Christians to want um, a step by step, paint by numbers system, and I think as Christians. We want to grow in wisdom, uh, which means working with the kids God's given us, not the like the 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 hypothetical kids, um, and uh, and that's a big deal. That's like a huge deal as a as a as a mother and a father. Um, but I but I also want to. I think it also this conversation tends to focus on the things you shouldn't be doing. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do the other. And I think that's hard as a teenager. I think teenagers in America have fewer rights than teenagers in any country, almost any country in the world, which is interesting. They can be medicated against their will. They can't vote. They can't drive. They can't work. It's a, it's a pretty crazy situation. And simultaneously, they're the most competent they're ever going to be in terms of learning new things, both physically and mentally. Their brains are on fire. They also, you know, if you just look at testosterone levels in young men, uh, they're never going to have testosterone levels at the the rates they have them at that age. Um, and so it's it's a it's a very charged phase of life, and they're already being told no, 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 no. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do the other. 
And so in this conversation, I'm hoping that the whole conversation is not teenagers don't do this, teenagers don't do that. But I want to try to cast somewhat of a vision for what is it that teenagers should be doing? Like, what can we be doing? How can we approach this topic in a positive way? So that's kind of the the roadmap I'm hoping to kind of um, explore. And so why don't we start with the question of friendship? Uh, so I've got an opinion about this, but Drew, um, you haven't spoken yet. So why don't you kick us off? What what uh, can teenage boys and teenage girls be friends? Yeah, well, I mean, you started off by saying let's not uh, talk about sort of the, you know, you got to work with what you've got. I yeah. think that some teenage boys are probably better suited to be friends uh, with the opposite sex than others mm-hmm. um, for whatever that's worth. Um, but I think generally speaking, I don't know, I think there's probably a pretty pretty narrow window for, mm-hmm. for for boys and girls to be great friends um yeah. i i don't know i'm i'm i'm, I'm 36 I'm married four kids uh i can't say that i've ever like had a, a bunch of 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 uh girlfriends yeah um well that's that's another question you know that so so let's, let's put the question other ways can a 30 something year old man have girlfriends yeah i mean <laughs> That's a yeah. That's that's probably the right way to do it. Um, I, I think a maybe a better question is um, at any point in time as a as a man, yeah. are, have you been interested in having girlfriends? I mean, yeah. if so, what was driving that interest? Yeah. Um, and um, I think there may come in, there there may instances may occur naturally, maybe in the workplace or maybe in the church where. Um, where it is interesting to have mm-hmm. um, friends of the opposite sex, though, I mean, I, even even putting that kind of caveat on it makes it pretty limited. I mean, yeah. I I don't see a real a supernatural instance in the God's economy where I've just really longed for uh, a female friend that's not my wife. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and and I you know I, I know I kicked it off by saying let's not just be negative, but but I think this is one of those things where it's pretty clear to me that um, that God's wired men and women in such a way that um, that uh, and, and I heard Doug Wilson talk about this zone of, of right. vulnerability where you can get you know closer and closer emotionally, uh, but there's kind of this zone in the middle. You know, if you got men over here and women over here, and and when you cross over that zone, um, this this zone of vulnerability, um, where does she like me? Doesn't she like me? And I like her, and I've kind of expressed that or whatever. Um, and, and whether that's said or not, uh, you talk about like a workplace relationship. There, this this tension is created when you grow closer emotionally. Where your body wants to follow, um, and um, I, you know, I've I know guys from college uh, who got divorces because of emotional affairs. Um, right. You know, I, I didn't cheat on my wife, but I was basically in love with this other woman uh, because <clears throat> the world wants to and has been telling us, catechizing us for a generation or two, that men and women really are the same; uh, they're not different. And we shouldn't treat each other differently, and uh, we should just all act like we're all the same. 
and and so yeah. we we care we try to carry that forward you know from childhood into adulthood yeah. and i don't think it works first you said something uh, like kind of the i was listening to something on <clears throat> can calls this week about rush dooney's kind of overarching yeah really theory which was don't focus on what you're not doing focus on what you are doing yeah um so the negative the the opposite of of maybe of hmm. of pursuing female relationships would be what kind of male relationships is the young man pursuing what kind of female relationships mm-hmm. is the young woman pursuing that would be an interesting thing to look at right what what relationships are you pursuing and then another thing that hit me while you're talking was like I gotta say, some of the most sort of intimate um, aspects as I take an inventory of my own marriage really have more to do with my friendship with my wife than mm-hmm. anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah. which I think suggests that maybe men are engineered in such a way, and I'm sure women are too, but I'm a man, so I can speak to the, the man part, um, that friendship is, is quite an accomplishment. Uh, and it may be an accomplishment that um, mm-hmm. that is that is the most sacred to, mm. to, to a marriage. Mm-hmm. So I think that if I were interviewing yeah, a young true. man for like my daughter and I found out that, uh, he was just a hit with the ladies and, uh, and had lots of wonderful girlfriends, mm-hmm. I might just expel him. Uh, yeah. I don't know that I'd be <laughs> like super excited that yeah. I'm talking to a young man. That's really great friends with a lot of girls. I yeah. think, I, I, I think, I think I'd probably see that as a caution. Yeah, well, it should be. I mean, God. So, God describes Himself in Scripture as being jealous um, a lot. Um, his name is jealousy. He even says. Um, and so, if if our bridegroom, the bridegroom of the church, has a fierce jealousy, um, then then surely marriage, which is supposed to be a picture, which we are not told is supposed to be, it is a picture of Christ and His bride. Um, then we as husbands ought to be very jealous. And one of the things that I've told young people who are thinking about these things is treat that young lady the way that um, you would want some other man treating your future wife, right? Um, And when you put it into that context, it's like, okay, well, I don't want, how do I want people treating my wife or my future wife? And and that kind of changes the paradigm. Um, I think the other way to look at it from a positive perspective is, what kind of relationships? What kind of relationship should you have with women, right? Um, and, and and because friendship, you know, we didn't define our terms very precisely, but but friendship is certainly a continuum, you know, with acquaintances on one end and close besties on the on, on the other end. I would argue that we shouldn't have a category for male female bestie um, bestie relationships. That's that's something either heading for trouble uh premarital sex or it's uh it's homosexual you got a guy that's 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 effeminate um and 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 doesn't know how to be a man doesn't know how to relate to women appropriately but on the other end of the spectrum uh you've got acquaintances and scripture exhorts young men to treat young women as sisters um so what does that look like um how how can you how can young men learn uh and practice uh, an appropriate way to 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 be around young women and to have uh, relationships with young women. I, I think that you know I think that young men and, and old men alike should be should certainly uh, be friendly uh, with 
with the right uh, female acquaintances. So yeah. hospitable, um, gracious, um, kind, respectful. Um, and, and so really kind of measure your, I think you just kind of want to measure your, your behavior. Yeah. Uh, the behavior that you display with the female acquaintances that you have, church, work, mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, yeah, and, and I don't, I mean, again, I, I want to go back, I, I want to focus on like, um, recently I had a thing at work, right? Um, and the, the the men that are in my close circle at work, um, there was an interaction with a, with a, with a female and as soon as it was done, the men who I'm close with at work uh, immediately said, "I'll help you with that thing," um, or "I'll I'll serve as a as a plus one on that thing." I mean, instantly. Mm. And it was it was just a really interesting thing. It was like the men around me all knew like you're about to cross or you've been asked to sort of cross a line right and you're trying to maintain a uh, a gentleness mm-hmm. with the you know with the with the woman yeah you're trying to even uh, help the woman yeah but we can all see the inherent danger or appearance of evil mm-hmm. and again this kind of just goes back to instead of focusing on what you're not allowed to do mm-hmm. with female friendships I'd like to focus on the male relationships that I have yeah. and how they help me glorify God in my treatment of yeah. women. Right. Um, so. Yeah, I, I I love all that. I think um, I think we we have to acknowledge that women are different. Uh, we have to acknowledge that God's designed men to have one wife. Um, that's an intimacy that's reserved for one relationship not multiple relationships we ought to be jealous your wife ought to be jealous um but then i think um i you know scripture teaches us that women are the weaker vessel you know what does that mean um you know i think i think for me um i think the analogy i heard again this is probably doug wilson but this idea that it's like the China, like a women are like the China. It's not weaker in the sense. I mean, obviously they are weaker in in some obvious physical ways, but but he talks about how China is more fragile, it's more delicate, but it's also more special. We don't treat it like dirt because it's fragile. We exalt it and 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 use it for special occasions. Um, and so so when we realize, I think one of the struggles we have that we're trying to fight against right now. In America, um, in the American church, is unwinding um, the kind of psychological um, mess that we've made of of that egalitarianism and feminism has made of things um, to where we realize, like the book that Michael Foster wrote called "It's Good to Be a Man." That book title is controversial, <laughs> which is absurd uh, to think that that statement would be controversial in any you know in in, the, in any context um but the idea that what he's promoting is not just um here's how to be masculine but also let's let's look at ontologically how god has built men for a purpose like he's actually given men strength and testosterone 
um, and these different characteristics to accomplish a particular purpose, he's also, God, has built women in a particular way for a particular purpose. They they are in the garden. The man was given a task, you know, to 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 um, to uh, the cultural mandate of, of dominion, and she was given the, and and she kind of along and he gave her a helper to accomplish the second thing he told him to do, which was to fill the earth, to multiply. And she's she's kind of on that front. She's helping him with. She's oriented towards him. He's oriented towards a task. And she's oriented to helping him, especially with the multiplication side. And so the gifts that God's given women, um, spiritually, physically, and um, emotionally, equip them to to be oriented towards a husband and oriented towards their children. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the problem is that um, men think that they can, they can, Men know that they can manipulate those emotions, and this is why Scripture tells us, no, women are different. You need to treat them differently. Um, But men, I think a lot of times, there's this whole world of pickup artistry that's all about manipulating these unique ways that God's made women so that you can get them to get in bed with you. Um, um, But there's there's this... um, There's this... uh, temptation i think for men to to want to be sort of egalitarian um you put the egalitarian hat on and and deceive themselves about the way women are so that they can enjoy this thing um and and act like it's all innocent um, and ignore the fact that because of the way god's built men you're going to be able to walk away from that and and it not destroy you but god's built her to have a kind of loyalty and a kind of orientation towards a man that is going to make it much more emotionally difficult for her to separate herself from you. Yeah, the, the big lie, I think the big lie, so I think we've, we've pretty well established that male and female friendship is certainly not, uh, if it, it's, it is nothing like male and male friendship. Right. And I, I think the big lie is pure and simple, egalitarian feminism, the, both of those things, the lie that they, that, that, that they sit upon the, sort of the, the presupposition is we're the same. Yeah. And if you, again, not focusing on what we're not, but focus on what you are. Yeah. I'd ask a man, what is your mandate? What are you called to do? What yeah. are you called to be? And then to a woman, what are you called to do? What are you called to be? And find out that they're drastically different. Right. Um, and when we talk about the woman being the weaker vessel, uh, again, impossible to understand unless you understand what a man is called to do and be and what a woman is called to do and be. Mm-hmm. And then it fits ne- fits nicely with right. our design. But the the presupposition holding up all of that is that we are fundamentally different. Yeah. Right? We're, you know, so when the argument, you talked about the temptation to uh, basically to believe the lie that we can be friends. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know whether it's tempting or not it is the air we breathe mm-hmm. it is it has become culturally um yeah so the norm that we forget to just take a step back and say that young man is made for something different mm-hmm. than that young woman mm-hmm. um and and then if you, i think if you start from there then it really kind of puts the it kind of puts everything yeah. else to rest it puts the certainly puts this friendship idea i think to rest yeah 
So just to um, just to kind of wrap up the friendship question, and I think just to kind of give some application to if you're listening to this and you're a parent or a teenager who's thinking about these things, I think a healthy approach to friendship is it happens within the context of a of a community uh, and a family. You know, the the church is a family. Um, I think there's there's a appropriate way to have pleasant, polite conversations, uh, joking, friendship on that level with with women, um, but I, or young ladies if you're a young man. Um, but I think uh, young man, if you are taking that further and you're not prepared to move towards marriage with this woman, you are um, and you haven't spoken with her father. And we're going to get into courtship, but. Um, then, then you're either a dirtbag, or you're, or you're effeminate. You're one of those two things. Neither of those things are good. And, and me as a, as a man in the church is looking at that young man going, he's either a dirtbag or he's effeminate, um, uh, or he's, or he's clueless, uh, and, and maybe a combination of those things. Um, I was going to give a personal story, uh, I'll go ahead and give it because, um, you know, whatever. My wife might not be happy about me giving it, but whatever. I uh, When I was in high school, I was super flirtatious. Like that was just – I wasn't raised with this kind of framework, right? So, yeah, you, we went to we, we went to youth group and we were in high school. And, you know, I was just super I, – I was – I had bought the whole story about how men and women are. And so I was just super flirtatious with every girl and it was just kind of who I was, and it was it was kind of. Uh, and my wife Bethany and I met when when we were in high school, and uh, and it wasn't like a switch I could flip and turn off. You know, it was like okay, I've got a girlfriend, but I'm still this way with everyone, and it's kind of the expectation. So everyone sort of expects it, and I found it to be very difficult for me to kind of turn that switch off. Um, I graduated high school, did this missionary thing. And that missionary thing served as this sort of in-between moment in my life where I got to kind of contemplate everything and go, who am I? What am I about? You know, and and that was a thing that I realized when I was doing this missionary thing. That's a part of me that I don't want, that I don't think's right, and I don't want that anymore. And so I, I committed when I ended up going to college in Moscow, I just committed before I went, hey, that that part of me is done. I'm not, I'm never going to be that guy anymore. Um, and, and the cool thing for me was that, um, I was able to flip that switch. It wasn't actually hard at all to walk into a place and just go, Hey, I'm just going to treat women with all purity and, and, um, treat them like sisters. Um, I had a girl back home that I really wanted to marry and I didn't want to do anything to screw it up. I knew that I was going to marry this girl and she's going to come out here and I didn't want there to be any sort of like, Oh, he's got all these flirtatious relationships. So, um, God was really gracious to me in that time to kind of help me to see that and to give me the foresight to kind of shut that down and, and to actually have, it, it really wasn't hard when I set my mind to it. Um, but it was hard when I had gotten into that established pattern. Um, so, you know, hopefully that's some sort of encouragement for somebody who's, who's maybe already heading down one path. Uh, there's always a, an opportunity to just, to just cut it off and shut it down. Okay, I want to talk now about um, dating, and I, I think we've given so many clues to our stance here on dating. Um, it should be obvious, but but there's there's this idea of courtship uh, in Christian circles, and um, and it's really 
it, even that's kind of all over the map. Um, and it, it falls into the same ditch that, that I was talking about earlier of, of wanting to define a plan. Is this courtship, is this step one of courtship or step five of courtship? Um, how do I do this right? Um, and I don't think, I actually don't think the Bible gives us, as far as I can tell, a step-by-step plan for how to pursue a woman. We get lots of pictures of that happening, but there's not like a, a method. There's really just principles, right? Um, the the problem uh, and the reason why I think courtship has become such a thing over the last 10, 20 years is, is that the recreational dating thing has gotten so crazy and I think so out of hand and has done so much damage that people like, uh, I think it was Josh, I kiss dating goodbye, Harris, um, who kind of got the ball rolling. I think he was maybe even responding to some stuff that Doug Wilson had been writing, but, um, but recreational dating, you know, this is one of those, like, let's talk about that for a second. Why, Why is recreational dating a mistake and a problem? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to keep on doing this. Uh, why is it okay? You know, yeah. I mean, what what about the office of young man and the office of young woman, their design suggests that they should be recreational dating. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, again, I, I think the last, the, the story that you told, what was interesting about you cutting off this way of being um, which is super relevant, by the way, because all the arguments we hear these days for homosexuality or, mm-hmm. or gender dysphoria is, I am what I am. And it's right. like, you, you can 100% be something, right. and it's not what you're supposed to right. be. Right. right. Uh, and so you said, uh, I am I am flirty. Great. Change. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, cha- Stop change. being that way. And the way that you changed was you said, well, that is not the type of man that I would like to be. And I'd yeah. suggest that, that all came from the Holy Spirit. I mean, sure. The Holy Spirit totally. and a good conscience dwelt within you, and you decided to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, what's wrong with recreational dating? I mean, what's right with recreational dating? Um, and again, if I'm looking at a young man and he's like, I would like to recreational, like, recreationally date, you know, I guess I would just say, what part of your mandate from God and who you've been called to be um, is 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 being executed is being is being pursued by you dating yeah. recreationally and, yeah. to, and to the same i would say to the to the young woman uh i would say what part of the your mm-hmm. design and your purpose that mm-hmm. you've been given and you have been given a purpose is um is being met by serial dating or recreational yeah. dating um and you know and i'd suggest that that uh, it probably, and again, there's such a wide spectrum right. of what people mean when they say recreational dating. Right. Um, yeah. What do you mean? What, what define recreational dating? Yeah, I think as best you can. Yeah, I mean, I, what we grew up with. I think probably what 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 anyone who's listening has grown up with. You know, um, pairing off mm-hmm. uh, with a with a member of the opposite sex for a undefined period of time mm-hmm. longer than a day or two mm-hmm. um you know for the purposes of kind of pursuing a, a short-term relationship mm-hmm. um, this is this is a recipe for disaster i mean uh you're saying oh, i don't want to i don't want to have any purpose well 
that's your purpose. I mean, you're, you're, you're saying, I'd like to be unintentional about this relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a stupid intent. Like, yeah. don't be intentionally unintentional, especially yeah. when it comes to uh, something with such high stakes. Right. So um, to me, recreational dating, if, I mean, if, if uh, yeah, it, it sounds really, really dumb. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's, it's like in the water. When, I, when we were kids... Uh, it was like, I mean, it started when you were first, second, third grade. I mean, it was, it was the pairing off thing. Oh, he's my boyfriend. He's my girlfriend. And, and it was just in the water and the parents would be like, Oh, who's your boyfriend? You know, it, it like, it was, it was fully embraced as good and right and normal. Um, and, uh, and so it was, it was just in the water, you know, and, and it led to a lot of kids, you know, getting physical, uh, at really young ages, um, and starting to slowly, you know, build up those sort of habits and those muscles of like overcoming my conscience saying I shouldn't do this and fighting through that, you know, and, and, um, daring your friend, you know, to go kiss a girl or whatever. And it's just like, um, so that stuff's obviously, I I don't think even needs much of a refutation. It's stupid. Uh, if you're doing that, if you're encouraging that in your kids, you're stupid. Uh, you shouldn't do that. It's not appropriate. Um, that's not treating, you know, girls with all purity as your sisters. It's treating them as something else. Uh, but then when you get into adulthood, that's when I think it starts getting really twisted. Um, and, um, and because it's it's almost like we're seeing in the world today this idea that you can have a fulfilled life on all across all uh, the spectrum of life you can be fulfilled without being married and having a family so you can have the career of your dreams you can have as much sex as you want um you can have all the relationships you want with you know with women and men um and, uh, and you don't have to be married. You don't have to be encumbered by a, a commitment and a covenant right. and, and certainly not children. Um, and it's, and it, and it, and that's an even, even greater disaster. Um, and, and I, I spoke to the ontological component for women. I mean, this is as much true for men as it is women, but, but <clears throat> women are designed by God to, to, uh, you know, God created man uh, for the task and he created women, uh, the woman for the man. <clears throat> and this is repeated throughout scripture in both the New and the Old Testament. So so this isn't like a fringe concept. Um, so if the creator of the universe designed women to, to, to be oriented towards the mission, submission is orientation to the mission of your husband. So this is, this is happening uh, outside of the covenant of marriage. And so a woman starts cohabitating with a man and starts right. supporting him and treating him like her man. And that's, uh, that's her calling, uh, in life is to do that. Um, and he's like, well, yeah, but you know, I'm gonna ditch you as soon as I get bored. Um, and it just wrecks her. And it's not like she gets to go out the next night and pretend like nothing happened. Yeah. It, it wrecks her soul until, and this for both men and women until their consciences have been so cauterized by, by this repetition of, of sinning in this way that they don't feel it anymore. 
which is the biggest disaster of the whole thing. Yeah, I th- I th- again, I mean, uh, just just rinse and repeat. Um, if 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 that hypothetical man or woman were considering their own design, right? Um, they would accept that the best, the highest and best calling of a woman is to be a mother. Uh, I mean, I, I look no yeah. further than Mary to understand that when God said it was time to be incarnate on earth, he chose the woman mm-hmm. and her biology and her significance to bring forth the mm-hmm. son of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't focus um, on that because uh, the implications, I think, of that are that a woman's best and highest calling mm-hmm. is to is to be a life creator. I mean, Toby Sumter says all the time he wrote you know wrote a book. Um, we have the ability somehow to create eternal life. These beings, these children, are eternals. Mm-hmm. And um, I say we, of course, it takes the man, seed, you know, there's biology, but a woman is engineered to foster eternal life mm-hmm. in her womb. Mm-hmm. If we accept some kind of alternate definition of a woman, mm-hmm. then we can get into this vicious um, right. sort of uh, cycle that you discussed about right. about having these transactional relationships where the woman through sort of her natural desire starts to nourish, starts to be established. Mm-hmm. And then it's accepted that, well, Hey, we did this without a plan. You know, we were just having a good time mm-hmm. and she's ripped. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that natural design suggests that sh- she was naturally going to begin to nest and nourish mm-hmm. and be loyal to, mm-hmm. um, so really, the the recreational dating in terms of, of kind of going into a relationship without a plan and denying the design of yeah. man and woman is set up to just really mm-hmm. wreck damage, yeah. do an incredible amount of damage to both. Totally, totally. Yeah, um, and and so so courtship as a concept is this reaction to response to this habit this pattern that was that kind of came into being in you know i don't know when this became a thing um in the way that it is it's probably been around for a a much longer time we think in different cultures but um but uh the idea of courtship is really pretty straightforward in my mind it's it's a that um that everything that we've said about men and women um are true therefore um, a how does a man go about finding a wife? Uh, how does a woman, how does a, a, a young lady go about getting married? And the idea is that a man takes the initiative uh, to identify a, a, a woman that, that he would like to pursue, and then he uh, honorably um, expresses his intentions to her father when when again when we're starting to approach that zone of vulnerability he can spend a lot of time observing her uh without emotionally you know what 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 men do in casual dating uh is they try to sort of get like a guarantee before they risk anything you know before i like risk making a fool of myself and getting rejected. I want to try to see if like you'd respond to me 
and show me that you're interested. And that's a cowardly thing to do. It's not a manly thing to do. Um, so in courtship, a man sees a woman, um, evaluates uh, in outside of that zone of vulnerability, his uh, compatibility and his interest in this woman as a potential wife. And then he honorably, um, instead of trying to sneak in the back door, he goes through the front door, which is her father, and says who, who God gave her as a head, uh, as a protector, um, and, and expresses his intentions. And the father's job is to use wisdom about his daughter and about this young man to determine what he's comfortable with that with happening from there. And there's no playbook for that. Um, he has to, a wise father is going to treat each of his daughters differently. He's going to treat each potential suitor differently. There's not a playbook. Um, it's his job as he's trying to protect his daughter from, from, from being hurt emotionally unnecessarily. I mean, there's no way ultimately for, because what happens, what will happen uh, if this is done enough times, there's going to be a man who's interested, a dad who approves it, uh, some dates that are gone on, and then a realization by either the the girl or the boy or the dad that this isn't a good fit. People are going to get hurt. Like there's no way that that, that, that that's you can remove any and all hurt, but that's all happening within this context of protection, of of honesty and integrity um, and with an intention, you know, right. there's an intention of, of a, a marriage covenant. I, I, the idea of courtship uh, to me presupposes this concept of authority. Mm-hmm. And, and that is what, you know, we lack so much in the, in the recreational dating conversation is that the authority really is, is, is almost given over to children, yeah. Uh, which I, I would suggest is is, is very foolish. It's Don't crazy. give authority where it shouldn't be given. But in the courtship model, in this, I can tell a story. Um, I courted or attempted to court, you know, one girl really before um, I ended up marrying later in life uh, when I was in the military. But I remember that courtship with great fondness, and it was a courtship where I was told no several mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess what I, the, the reason I remember it with fondness is that the, the sting, um, is punctuated by what that father had to say to me. Mm -hmm. Those words of you are not this yet, and you are far from being this Mm -hmm. man, they stuck with me. And I thought I didn't like it at all for quite some time. But it stayed with me. It had this weird staying power yeah. um, to the point where years later, yeah. I would really think fondly about a man who was willing to impart some kind of genuine and yeah. vulnerable counsel yeah. that for me became a litmus test. I could use that counsel yeah. as I pursued my wife. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I remember thinking to myself as I pursued my wife, am I this yet? Yeah. You know, so I gained, yeah. I gained through this, uh, through this submission to authority, right? right. So it presupposes authority. I gained by submitting to this authority. It like opened up the door to fruit I had no idea existed, yeah. but it wasn't fruit that was instantly gratifying, but it was fruit that was like eternal. Like this yeah. fruit, this fruit helped me find my wife and has mm-hmm. been born out through our children. So. Yeah, I think the courtship again—not what you're not doing, but what you are yeah. doing 
the young man wants to court and 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 so again presupposing authority so another way to say it is if a man if a young man would like to repeatedly submit to the authority of a father mm-hmm. um i can tell you what will happen he will become wise yeah yeah he totally. will at some point become wise right uh, he may not gain a wife soon mm-hmm. But he will gain wisdom, right? Uh, and this is what young men need more than anything. Well, and and it, I love that story. I appreciate you sharing it because yeah. I because it the the thing about um, about all of that is it it puts in the driver's seat of the of the potential relationship. It puts the wisest person yeah. uh, with the most information yep. and the and 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 who is least. I want to say he's least emotional, but I don't mean that he's not emotional. He has yeah. incredible emotion of love for his daughter. Um, and so maximum amount of skin in the game for this dad. Um, but also, he's a man. He's He knows what men are like. He knows the problems, the struggles, the temptations. And his his sweet young daughter just doesn't. And she she's not going to pick up on the the deficiencies uh that her father's going to pick up on and um if she's got a dad that loves her um she's going to want him to pass that test um the i think courtship uh, one way to look at it uh doug wilson's fond of saying you know that the bible can be summarized in the phrase kill the dragon get the girl and this is a great example of that, that God's designed this marriage process to be a kind of gauntlet for young men to have to go through. And so it kind of leads to the next thing I want to talk about, which is um, what are we supposed to be doing as young men, as young women? Like as teenagers, what, what's the mission? What, what, what's the mission? And, and I would like to, 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 to posit that at least part of the mission, if not the main mission, is... Um, is for men it's it's preparing to slay the dragon it's preparing to run the gauntlet um to show yourself worthy of an excellent wife um and 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 so you're preparing to be able to demonstrate to a father i have wisdom i have mastered the dragon of my own sinful heart i have control of myself i'm not out of control um, I am willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to do hard things, um, and um, and I think one of those things is I have a band of brothers, and and the band of brothers to me for men is such an important thing that's missed. I think also in our culture, um, but a true band of brothers is a sign to a to any other man who's looking at it that that that's a man who other men respect, other men his own age look at him and respect him. Um, he can take a joke, you know, he can take criticism. He can take the, 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 uh, the, uh, the jostling and the sharp elbows that, that you get, uh, when you're, when you're around a group of young men. So that's one of the things I think, uh, one of the ways that we need to think about what teens ought to be about pre-marriage. I think um, if, if I were in a situation where uh, someone was pursuing my daughter's hand and was doing it right, um, my first call would probably be to his father, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd want to know, um, does your son obey you? <laughs> you yeah. Know? I mean, um, 
when we read about faith um, in the Bible, it's it's like always tied. The, the what's what's pointing us to faith is acts of obedience. You know, um, faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. Hebrews eleven. We look at the the hall of faith. Well, these 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 patriarchs, these men who are defined by faith, are mm-hmm. all. The, what's the defining thing? What's their obedience? Mm-hmm. And so I'd say if I'm a young man yeah. and I'm disobedient to my parents, I'm not prepared mm-hmm. to be uh, a husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not prepared to make it through this gauntlet mm-hmm. of um, of courtship mm-hmm. uh, because I think the first call that this guy's going to make is to my dad. And, yeah. uh, you know, if it's my son and some guy calls me and he's rebellious, I'm going to have to give him... Yeah, the truth. You know, look, yeah. I, I think my son is pretty rebellious. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've been having trouble. Yeah, uh, with him just obeying simple tasks. Hey, yeah. clean up your room. You know what I do? I find out that it's never clean. Yeah. Hey, uh, go uh, help your mother with the kitchen. You know what I find out? It's never done. Yeah. So um, I would hope that in this Christian economy that we're trying to establish. That if young men are willing to pursue courtship, yeah. uh, it means, again, we kind of established they're willing to pursue authority, like submitting to authority. Yeah. And that's going to be measured by their track record of obedience. Yeah. Of course, anyone in this pod, is, if anyone's watching this podcast and knows me for more than 10 years, will know I did not and have not set the standard in being the most obedient. But, um, but I've certainly learned that um, that you start mm-hmm. you start pretty small, and this this also I think um, uh, we've you know, but we've been interacting with several of these issues within our church, within mm-hmm. our extended family of of sort of teenagers who are excited by the opposite sex, and um, and one of the things that uh, is striking me over and over and over as I watch and my kids, you know, my oldest is eight and I've got mm-hmm. four is, um, man, if you can't establish the obedience thing mm-hmm. now, yeah, it will be really, really hard to establish yeah. this obedience thing later. And, and so I would, I would want to focus and I am focusing because of my station in life, not so much on, what my my kids are doing, but what I'm doing, mm-hmm. am I giving yeah. my son and son and daughters opportunities to obey? Which means I have to give them commands. Mm-hmm. I have to ask them to do things. I have to task them out. Which mm-hmm. means what? I'm engaged. Mm-hmm. So if I'm disengaged, I'm not even giving them an opportunity to establish a history of obedience. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I know that's more than you than you kind of asked, but I would just say that. I don't know that it's too late ever either. I mm-hmm. think that, yeah, totally. that that each of us as fathers and mothers have to acknowledge that um, the kids the Lord has given us are are, are ours. They mm-hmm. are our talents, and we have to um, be faithful with them. Mm-hmm. So Doug used to always say, um, you don't owe God what you had. Mm-hmm. You owe God what you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I have four under eight. I owe I owe. Mm-hmm you know, the discipline and the engagement now, mm-hmm. uh, where someone who has more, who may be older, owes the same thing. What yeah. he's got right now, he needs to be working at, at establishing, giving the, 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 the kids an opportunity to be obedient. Yeah. Um, well, I heard, I, I was involved in a, a, a dad recently who was trying to kind of do some diligence on a young man that was pursuing his daughter. And 
and uh, on another part of the country, and it just happened that I, I had some connections. And so uh, one of the things that, that I, as I was kind of doing some some diligence, what what this conversation I had with a friend was, he said, the most important thing to me, this, this friend of mine has daughters that are teenagers. He said, the most important thing that I tell my daughters all the time is um, look at how these young men treat their mom. And... Sure. Um, and he said, that's one of the things I look at. And he, and he was recommending this young man to me as said, I've seen this man, this young man around his mom. He treats her well. He respects her. He obeys her. Um, I, I think there's a bunch of things you said that, that I wanted to kind of spring off of. Uh, the other is how we define love. You know, this is one of the, the huge lies of the, of the times we live in is love is... Um, Biblically defined is just obedience to God the Father, no matter what. Jesus Christ, the greatest act of love in all of history was Jesus doing something he really, really didn't want to do. He was sweating drops of blood, praying, please, God, take this from me. Wanted, did not want to do this thing at all. So anybody who says, you know, love is love, you know, love whatever, you know, love whatever your heart tells you love. That's not the love of the Bible. The sure. love of the Bible is actually doing really awful, terrible things you don't want to do out of obedience to God the Father. Um, and so and that flows to the whole rest of our life, right? Um, the other thing I want to say, because I think we kind of skipped over it, and I just want to make sure we make this point uh, about courtship and dating, um, is that the criteria, I think, that needs to be clear in our minds about dating is just the the clear criteria for me is you ought not to be starting setting your hand to that plow of of engaging into the in, in a relationship and getting into that zone of vulnerability until you're you've got marriage in a in a reasonable you know uh time reference frame of 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 time so your your time horizon for getting married is within sight so so if you're 15 um, and uh, you you can't drive, uh, you you don't have the ability really to work, uh, at least not full time. Um, you're you're you don't probably have marriage uh, in your in your view yet. It's it's just over the horizon. It's right. coming, so you need to be preparing. But um, but you're pre- it's it's premature. Um, and so I, I do think there's an age thing and some people mature early and leave the house at 18 and are already just going full steam and God bless them. And, and so they may get a little earlier start, but I think generally speaking, our message, uh, to young people is, um, what you need to be about right now is not starting to court and starting to pursue, uh, a spouse. It's, it's more, you're in the gearing up for the gauntlet, uh, of, of courtship and preparing yourself for that, um, through obedience to the authorities God's given you, um, and, and all these different ways of preparing yourself, slaying the dragon of of sin in your own life. Um, I don't, I also would say, I think for fathers, uh, who are thinking about a suitable man, I think I've talked about this in some other videos, but, but, uh, I don't think what you're looking for necessarily is a bank account or a job, you know, a career plan or whatever. To me, uh, you're looking for self-control, uh, 
a, a young man who's proven that they're willing to do hard, difficult, challenging things. Um, and, uh, and I do think a man who's on a mission, it doesn't have to be the final mission. It doesn't have to be a really cool mission. It just has to be a man who's on a mission. who's headed somewhere, doing something, pursuing something. He's not like adrift. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's weird. I mean, and, and this is where I'm I'm sure I'm out on the skinny branches, but um, I did a little over a decade in the Marine Corps, and, and we were really really big on. Um, and I, I, it's funny you notice it more after you get out, but uh, we were really big on physical communication, mm-hmm. and by that I mean what you're saying when you're not speaking. Um, eye contact, um, the orientation of your shoulders to the person you may be talking to or who may be speaking. Right. Um, arms crossed is always, you know, I, I, I remember as a young Marine, um, uh, being, um, very sharply told not to cross my arms because, Hmm. uh, it represented that I was, it it, it represented that I was closed off to the person who was speaking to me. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, of course we, we, we stand at parade rest in the Marine Corps, right. which is this submissive position saying I'm open and I'm receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and for whatever it's worth, um, it is difficult me, for me to overcome some of that training when I speak with young men. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they haven't, they don't have the training or anything, but you're talking to him and he's got his arms crossed and his shoulders are away or he can't make eye contact. Mm-hmm. Um, those would... I mean, for me anyway, those would pretty well kill it, you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, which again, I would just say young men learn how to speak to others, uh, learn how to speak to other men, practice it, uh, practice approaching a man, um, giving him a handshake. And then when he's speaking, practice giving him your attention, um, in a way that, uh, shows him honor. Uh, like you were saying, uh, practice, um, doing the same for, for women, you mm-hmm. know, uh, uh, reflect with, with, with all this communication that the Lord has really given us yeah. all this physical communication, uh, try to bring it into submission to, yeah. to, to your, your self-control and, and honor Absolutely. moms, honor women in the church. You know, if they're talking to you, turn and face them. Um, these are like, I don't know. These are just like things no. that, that I think, um, if we're talking about what can we be doing, yeah. right? And I think that's what we are talking about is not, not what we're trying to avoid, but what can we be doing? Yeah. Um, I would want to be training these young men um, and young women um, to learn how to talk to, yeah. to one another, to show each other respect with their eye contact, with their bodies. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, th- I think it's a, I think it's a very meaningful Yeah. Uh, thing that we probably don't even recognize is going on you know i interview people for jobs yeah all the time in my field and um i'll tell you most of what's being said in that first couple minutes which is kind of everything has not been said with any words yeah it's all just uh you you, you read it all over so well i i would say there's two things about that that i think are interesting that i want to respond to one one is uh I've had this conversation now with young men who are asking me, how do I go about pursuing women at this phase? I'm at a phase where it's appropriate. How do I do that? And, and after thinking about it and talking about it, talking through it with young men, my answer, one of my answers has become, become friends with the the men in the church. Um, Be able to stand amongst the men 
and have a conversation yeah. and have and have uh, have them respect you and receive them receive you into their company. Right. If you if you can't stand there and talk to the men in the church, um, you know how are you going to uh, ever you know, stand there and and have a conversation with one of these these men about their daughter, you know? Um, so the other thing that I, when you talked about the body thing, this is kind of a weird story, but it's, but I thought I found it fascinating. I listened to a podcast once about, it was actually about a, it was a story. It was a, it was a, a person who was a born female and was go was, was trying to become a dude and was taking a ton of testosterone and trying to become a man. And, uh, and was dressing like a man, you know, and, and the, the, this woman was talking about that experience and was totally caught off guard by how aggressive and how physical, um, men are with each other, even right. strangers. Yeah, right. She was talking about how, like, there's an unwritten code about how you walk on a sidewalk next to men, you know, when a man's approaching and, and the way that you stand and the way that you stand your ground right. and you don't cower, you don't like give way. And just all these, like all these verbal yeah. uh, or excuse me, nonverbal signals right. that are constantly happening with men uh, that are completely invisible to yeah. women um, and to boys who don't, who haven't become men yet. Right. Yeah. I, I worked in this, <laughs> I worked in this environment uh, during my Marine Corps career, and it was like this, it was this, basically a shop, and uh, we were somewhat, we were kind of like the the sort of the center command cell of, of this unit, and it, it was, you know, it, this, it, whether this was good or bad, you know, remains to be seen, uh, probably not good in a lot of ways, but when a Marine would walk in, mm-hmm. in the first three or four seconds, they would receive some kind of response Mm -hmm. and they'd never spoken. Mm. So it was like this weird, it was like this weird sport where sort of the, the authorities would judge rapidly. And again, this is not, don't Mm -hmm. do this in your house. I mean, this is not, but it was very interesting that you could tell the sort of the Marines who came in knowing their purpose, knowing sort of their stated mission, right. were able to state it efficiently, and they were given a wide berth. They were given yeah. great favor, uh, and and it was simply because they paid no mind physically mm-hmm. without speaking mm-hmm. to, to to sort of fear, and they walked confidently stating their purpose, what they needed, even making demands. And those demands were met with uh, yep. with success. You know, conversely, you'd have guys who yeah, they open the door and those first couple steps, it was like, oh, you're not going to make it. Yeah, <laughs> you're not going yep. to make yep. it. And uh, <laughs> they, you know, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't yeah. make it. But but I just found that fascinating, like yeah. really fascinating. Like, how do all these guys behind me and with me understand from the first couple steps of looking at someone? whether they know their purpose mm-hmm. and have the confidence to articulate it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, don't, yeah. don't run your houses like this people, but um, no, but it's but something it is a science. Well, and I think if you're a parent listening to this uh, and you've got young men, do your men know how to stand uh, in the gates with the other men? Like, mm-hmm. are, are they, are they at that phase uh, as a teenager? Um, if they're not, you know, it's time it's, it's past time for you to start training your boys in, in being men. And this is one of the problems with, Youth groups and youth culture is it does a terrible job of preparing 
uh, young people to be adults. And that's, you know, they're going to be adults the rest of their lives. Um, and, and we've got this weird infatuation with like youth and the freedom that you have during this like high school phase. And we want to stretch it out into their twenties and even thirties now of just carefree living. Um, but, but it's, it's a huge disservice. You just cripple these people for the rest of their lives. So, so if you're a dad listening to this with young men, teach them how to interact with men, uh, bring them to things with men, have them sit in groups with men, um, and hear how men talk and see how we interact. We've talked a lot about men. I think with young ladies, um, it's the same kind of thing. I think young women need to be focused on growing up to be grown women and doing things now that are going to help them be better at being grown women. And one of the things that's not going to help you is have, is having a bunch of boyfriends, you know, don't pursue having a bunch of close friendships with boys, pursue good friendships with women. It's a hard thing. I mean, it's a hard thing for men to find friends. I think a lot of times it's a harder thing for women to find good friends. And so you have a unique opportunity right now uh, in your life to develop some good friendships with girls and also to look for mentors amongst the women in the church. Learn from older women in the church about how to be a good, faithful uh, wife and mother and um, and woman. You know, what's that look like? Um, so, you know, it's 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 a different set of skills, uh, but it's it's equally important and 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 the orientation is not towards um uh it's not towards just enjoying your youth it's it's towards preparing for the day when um you're going to be an adult and 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 a a wife and a mother um yeah i would say um one of the things that uh and this, I think this is true for both men and women. It's harder, I think, for women. It's more important for men. Um, and that's this idea of just mastering your emotions. And we've already kind of talked about that with Jesus um, and, and love. But um, I do think this metaphor of... Um, uh, this metaphor of a horse. Um, two metaphors I want to... Uh, maybe we'll end with... Um, my wife is wanting to bring us coffee, so I'm, oh, I'm encouraging her to do that. Um, uh, so um, two metaphors, and maybe we'll be done. Uh, one is uh, a metaphor I think my wife learned from Rachel Jankovic, and it's the, the metaphor of uh, your emotions are like a horse. Um, and you. Uh, the question is, do you want to be on a horse's back that is just, and you're just taken wherever it takes you? Or do you want to have your hands firmly on the reins controlling the horse where you want it? Um, if you lose control, it's going to run off into a ditch. It's going to You're going to get bucked off. It's going to be bad. Um, and so I think for both men and women, get control of your emotions. Learn how to master your feelings. Learn how to uh, take that, that energy and drive that you have for things and, and, and harness it to do good things, to, to do hard things, to do things that make you better, that make the world better, to serve other people. Um, and the second metaphor is a garden. <clears throat> and this is something that I, I tell my own sons all the time. Uh, marriage is this garden that is glorious. It's this wonderful, delightful, uh, life-giving garden. Um, but the garden has walls. God has put walls around it. 
And we want to respect those walls. Um, we don't want to try to sneak over the wall or sneak under the wall or, or sneak through the back door. Um, we want to thank you. Wifey. Well, that's worked out. We have coffee. We have coffee now. We have coffee. Um, so yeah, the point is that, is that, um, we're not saying marriage is bad. We're not saying relationships are bad. We're saying it's actually super good and it's so good that we want to protect it and we want to put really high walls around it and not mess with it, not dabble with it. Um, unless we go through the front gate the appropriate way. Yeah, I mean, I think you started that little section off by talking about emotions and, and, yeah. and them being like a horse and bucking around and, and so forth. Um, I was talking to someone we care a, a lot about recently who has a teenager that's being wayward, and he described that behavior, the wayward behavior, as emotional terrorism. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that young people have um, uh, an opportunity to bring their emotions under, in, in, into submission. They also, of course, will have an opportunity to let them run. And yeah. um, and I think parents especially have to identify it, you yeah. know. And, and um, you know, and maybe that looks like a parent saying, I'm so proud of the way you must have felt um, and kept yourself under control. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, or conversely, yeah. um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to honor the way that you're trying to, to weaponize your emotions. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, the, I think that the, the, our, our kids need our feedback. Uh, it needs to be consistent, whether it's positive or negative. Yeah. Um, and, and I would really not be that concerned about the ratio, yeah. uh, it is what it is. Um, in some seasons it will be greatly positive and in some seasons it might be more negative. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the, the thing I always talk about when we talk about that is, is, uh, is having money in the bank. Like you, you as a parent need to have put money in the bank with your kids. If you're going to be writing checks, you don't want your checks to bounce. And this is a metaphor we use in our home all the time. And when I, you know, I find myself, myself, and, and scripture warns dads against exasperating their children. It's a real temptation. Um, and, and I think it's a bigger temptation when they're teens than any other time. Um, and it's, it's because kind of things are coming to a head and the tension between them being an adults and, and kids is starting to really manifest. Um, and, uh, and the temptation as a dad in that moment to just, just to go full negative is, is really hard and you can't ignore the things that need to be dealt with. Um, but you have to, you also can't ignore the fact that your checks are going to bounce if you're not putting things in the bank. Um, and, and I think the other thing that my wife and I are realizing, cause we now have three teenagers is that filling their tanks as teenagers is not the same yeah. as filling their tanks when they're little. Yeah. And, and so like one of the things we've had to grapple with this is going to be a blessing for you is uh teenagers like to hang out late and talk like hanging up like 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 staying up late and talking is like their favorite thing and it and it's it's kind of when kids sort of these teenagers kind of come alive and like to really share and talk about stuff and you're either you either show up for that or you don't you know um and it's really easy to be selfish and be like well i need my sleep and it's like yeah but 
you don't need your sleep as much as they need you. And, 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 and you don't need your sleep as much as you need to have some money in the bank so that you can do the hard work of, of speaking hard truth to them. Um, and, and actually not having those, those checks bounce. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess encouragement, uh, to try to close it out, um, encouragement to, to families that are watching or, you know, thinking about these things. Um, it's a really, really good thing, young people, that you are attracted to the opposite sex, that you want to pursue the opposite sex. That's awesome. Praise God for that. It's a good thing. It's not something that we as believers think is a bad thing. It's a really, really good thing. It's part of God's design. It's one of the great blessings. God could have created food to, to just be fuel that just nourished us, but instead he gave us these thousands of taste buds that sense all manner of bitterness and, and spice and sweet. And he created this like incredible, incredibly extravagant variety of foods and flavors. Um, and, and, and we get to eat those things uh, in order, and, and we have to eat those things to survive. This, this is evidence of God's goodness. And in the same way, your desire to be with another, with a person of the opposite sex is one of the incredible blessings that God has given us. Um, you're designed for that. He wants you to be that way. He wants you to live and enjoy him forever. Um, he wants you to enjoy your life. Um, he's given you those desires. Um, the question is is always, so what are we going to do with those desires? And what are we going to, how are we going to respond? Um, and the way we ought to respond is by thanking, by receiving those gifts, the gift of attraction to the opposite sex, desire for the opposite sex, receive it from who it comes from, God, thank him for it, and then uh, offer it back to him, uh, offer yourself back to him as a living sacrifice. Do with it, um, uh, take that uh, gift that he's given you and use it for his glory. Use it to serve him and to know him more. And so that looks like going, man, I really want a wife. How do I do that? How do I become a a man who can be a great husband um, and, and, and be the kind of man that's worthy of a really great wife. Um, How do I learn how to recognize a really great woman? You know? Um, And it's hard, you know, it's hard to not give way to your, your impulses and your desires. And this is where what Drew was saying earlier, I think is so important is our job as parents and this is something, man. This is something I'm learning more and more as teenagers. Um, when your ki- when your kids are little, uh, Drew was talking to me about about how you know you give your kids or you, you give your kids really arbitrary commands, or you give your wife an arbitrary command to give to one of your kids, just to practice obedience. Give them an opportunity to obey. Obedience practice, which is which is brilliant. And uh, I've heard Matt Whitling talk about you know there's a line between the tile and the and the uh, and the carpet, and just saying uh, uh, you can't cross that line. You know, it's obedience practice. Or I want you to run and touch the doorknob. <laughs> you know, like just arbitrary things, but they're things that are teaching your kid to respond the right way. Discipline when your kids are little is really is pretty simple. Uh, it's it's usually just physical. You know a pop on the buns and you're back, you're back to, to square one when they're teenagers, it's a lot more complicated. Um, but it doesn't 
your responsibility as a parent to discipline doesn't change. Uh, I hope to do my exhortation at church this Sunday on this idea of, of, uh, of discipline in the form of habits. Sure. And, uh, and I think this is, there's a lot of fruit here for us parents. Um, we are not God. We cannot, we are not the Holy spirit. We cannot make our, we cannot so completely control our kids' lives that they will never sin. And, and nor should we, should we attempt to do that? Um, God is going to have his way with your kids one way or the other. Um, our job uh, as parents is to discipline them and train them. And, um, discipline is supposed to be unpleasant. Scripture says no discipline is pleasant. So it's not pleasant, but your job as a parent is to say, Hey, we're going to do a bunch of things that are not fun. And we're going to create a structure in this home that is not designed for maximum, relaxation, maximum fun, maximum, uh, chilling, you know, we're, we're going to set up a structure here that's designed to be difficult and hard, uh, but rewarding and is going to yield the fruit that scripture says it will yield, uh, down the road. Um, so if you're a parent who's got a kid who's obsessed with, with, uh, the opposite sex and is really struggling with this stuff. Um, I hope that we've offered some, some helpful stuff. Um, the encouragement is, is I think, you know, lean into uh, your relationship with your kid, lean into habits, um, developing habits um, that are going to, that are going to pay dividends for the rest of their lives um, as they uh, grow up into adults. All right, man. That was, that was, that was good. Sweet. Thanks for doing it. Yeah. Enjoyed it. All right. We'll see you next time on uh, the show. Appreciate you uh, stopping by. Cheers. Cheers.